don't see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even gonna swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why she wouldn't even harm a fly. Welcome to Carly Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Tommy Andrews. Oh my gosh. I, I don't care. You know what? We're finally here. We're finally to the fifth movie of March Madness. We made it. We made it. Can you believe Let's it? Let's cross the finish line. <laughs> well, we got back-to-back Cynthia Rothrock movies, if you were to just for the fact that she's in this one. Um, yeah. Even though, even though she's not really in the other one. And like we said last episode, we're pretty sure those are from other movies, her footage, but whatever. Yeah, something. It doesn't matter. She's in this one. 100%. She's in this one. Yeah, this is a sequel to, ironically, a movie called Rage, Rage and Honor. Honor. <laughs> Shocking, dude. Where did, Can you believe where it? Where do you think they came up with the title Rage and Honor 2? I, I don't know. But at least she gets actually teamed up with her co-star from the previous movie as opposed to some of her other movies where she... Right, just, she just shows up with a new person and, and they <laughs> pretend like they were in a movie together. See that. Uh, you get Richard Norton back again, another Aussie. Yeah. Who, as we discussed, he looks like a cross between Huey Lewis and, and, and what's the guitar player's name? I always blink on his name. Sean Hayes. Sean, Sean Hayes. Hayes. <laughs> and then with a little bit of Patrick Bergen throws in there to give for, yeah, for good measure. And uh, while we're at it, um, maybe a little bit of Brian Brown. A little bit. I would I would say more. Ke- I was going to say more Kevin Sorbo. He's got this look about him. And it's the hair. from It's the Huey Lewis thing and it's the hair for me. Yes. But the Brian Brown aspect of it being another Aussie that kind of. I'm going to say more Paul Hogan than Brian Brown. Yeah, yeah. We joke about it because he, I mean, if you close your eyes, it sounds like Paul Hogan. (laughs) Dude, I swear to God, it would have, I mean, it almost makes it better if you do close your eyes and just imagine Paul (laughs) Hogan saying these lines. And you open up your eyes and I'm like, it would have been amazing if Paul Hogan was like all super ripped, like Muldoon, like uh, like Norton is in this and just kind of come out and go... Is, but I was I was I calling him uh, jokingly a, a crocodile flunky. Yeah, totally, man. But he's not the flunky in this. Cynthia no. Rothrock is proven once again. You don't need to be an actor to be an actor or an action star. Yeah, or uh, I guess you call her an action star. Well, yeah. What's weird about Norton in this movie is he's actually not that bad. I mean, no. and also. He does know some martial arts. And oh, yeah, for sure. There's some stuff, dude. Like, I feel some stuntmen really got hurt on this movie. I Yeah, I think a lot of locals in Jakarta got hurt because, man, it was, <laughs> dude. Yeah, there's some kicks going wrong. When the uh, when that Stevens guy, especially even Stevens that she's supposed to team up with at the beginning, gets, gets run over by the car, when it backs up, I swear to you, when the car drives away, I'm like, that's a person. Oh, yeah. There wasn't a, there wasn't they like didn't a, have a, a dummy. No, no, nope. It was bad. Like, well, okay. So Richard Norton, he's done a lot of action movies, but he's a big stunt player in in Australia. Um, he was also in. I mean, he's he was oh, the the what the hell was he again? And uh, he's in Mad Max Fury Road. He's the Prime Imperator. Yeah, and he does a whole bunch of stuff. He's done a lot of stunt work for for George Miller. Hmm. Yep. And the director, Guy Norris, he's the stunt coordinator for almost all of George Miller's movies, including the animated stuff like Happy Feet and the sequel. So he, these two guys have a big, a big Aussie ties to some much bigger uh, uh, fish like George Miller. But I almost feel just kind of like with Wincott and the other one, I feel like this might be Muldoon's movie and she's come along for the ride as opposed to... Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. uh, yes. 
Kind of like this is somebody trying to make Patrick Muldoon into a. I, I'm not sure what they were trying to make him into. Um, oh, no, no, no. Richard Norton. <laughs> Richard Norton. Richard Norton. Yes, See. not Muldoon. Not Muldoon. Muldoon is no. our friend. Is he, is he only, uh, uh, well, <laughs> he's only, I said, only other recognizable face in this if you're not familiar with the, uh, the other movies. Obviously in Starship Troopers and. As much as we want to rag on Cynthia Rothrock and her acting skills, she is not the poorest actor in this movie, and I'm not talking about the lo Indonesian locals. Patrick Muldoon gives her, as you said, a run for her money when it comes to yeah. um, the challenges of performing dialogue from a script <laughs> in front of a camera. Like you said, you can almost see him moving his lips. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Waiting for the other person. He's he's reciting her lines <laughs> in their scenes together. Um, this movie, you know, the setup is kind of familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and honestly, if if you don't know who the bad guy is, three minutes into this movie, then you obviously are going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah, then, then, it's, then, then this is the second movie you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> and the first one was Rage and Honor, yes. part one. <laughs> I would have question. Okay, I didn't watch all of the first Rage and Honor because it came on after I watched this. I watched like half of it, but it was just too much for me. Rothrock is a is an L.A. cop in that one. Yep. When did she become CIA? Did it happen at the end of that movie? I have no idea, and I know you I don't probably, know either. Or somewhere in between. You know how it works. You know, one day you're LAPD, and the next thing, you know, next day you're working for the CIA in Indonesia. It, <laughs> it's that simple. What was the? Uh, it was so silly because it goes from. She's like, she, she, the whole thing is, the whole opening of the movie is like, you can, again, if you can't figure out that Muldoon is the baddie in this, and right at the beginning, if you can't figure out that Rothrock is going through some kind of exercise <laughs> with her. Oh, uh, dude. Right. right. As, soon as, as soon as she like walks up and she's like, and I like, I know low budget movies are what they are. And sometimes you just use whatever props you can. But I swear she's wearing call center headsets in this, right? <laughs> Yeah, th dude. That yeah, and also when the, when she's walking past those um th those flats that are turning yeah. around, you can see the wall jacks on it, and, and some of the l most last minute lamest attempts at graffiti I've ever seen. Yeah, and I and what's so funny about all of that is like when kill the opening scene because you realize that she's just doing an exercise and she fails at it. By the way, I had played that po portion for Melody, and right away she goes. And when she sees the three hostages and she goes, didn't they say there's only two? I'm like, yeah. Right. See, and you're just somebody watching a movie and she's the one that's supposed to be that. Right. She's supposed to be the trained assassin. <laughs> so CIA stupid. operative. But when she's done with that moment, when she's kind of walking through, you know, you know, the backside of those, those flats or doesn't like going. It's Video that, Village. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, we probably saw those flats, the other side of those flats and some other scenes that weren't the training exercise. They're legit. 100% we did. Oh my God. I feel like they're in the uh, compound where they right. throw her, where they get thrown into, you know, <laughs> lockdown later on. Oh my God. It's so. With those PVC uh, windows. This, this movie has the right amount of awfulness to it that makes it really fun to watch. But just like with the last one, um, this one definitely shines a light on, on martial law too. But, you know, this might not be the worst of them, but it's really close. Muldoon in this, again, this is a couple of years before he does Melrose Place and four years before he does Starship Troopers. And in that movie, in Starship Troopers, uh, a movie that's known for its um, A-list acting. <laughs> Models in space, as they called it. <laughs> but boy, does he get amped up in this moment. He, he literally goes from zero to 60, just like he does in those movies. 
Oh, dude. Yeah. He, yeah. The training montages alone in this movie oh, are yeah. fantastic because Norton is literally kicking the shit out of him. Yeah, there's there's no stand in here. Muldoon is nope. getting the shit kicked out of him. If he wasn't walking away with bruised organs, I'd be surprised. <laughs> Norton certainly wasn't pulling his kicks. No. <laughs> I, I, I was getting a feeling like, you know, you know when he's like doing the whole hip thing? When he's like going, yeah. from leaf in the hip, and I'm just like going, oh, he's kicking the shit out of him. Dude, he is kicking him so hard. When he kicks that bag, that look on Muldoon's <laughs> face, that's the best acting he does in the whole movie because it's real. Because it's it real. It hurts. Oh, my God. If I wasn't a, an unfan, if you will, I, I don't like Muldoon's work at all, ever. He just always just... He, he he just seems to like not give a shit about about the craft. I think I've only seen him in two things: this and Starship Troopers. I, yeah, I, I was never I never watched Melrose Place. So I, when you said he was on Melrose Place, I was like, oh. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, he was. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, I had no idea. He, he does lots of voice work, but he continues. The fuck, he did a he did a movie called A Tale of Two Corys that came out in 2018. They actually did a. Did he play both Corys? Oh, he plays Bobby Feldman. He plays Corey Feldman's dad. Oh, funny. But yeah, Muldoon is. Um, anytime he's in a scene, I'm kind of like, oh boy, come on now. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. He played college football. Right? Didn't he play for the Trojans? Who Muldoon? He won a couple of rings, Rose Bowl rings with with, with the Trojans. Oh yeah, maybe. I yeah, I, like I said, I'm not really that familiar with him outside of Starship Troopers. And was he a soap opera actor at some point? I, I rem- yeah, maybe. Yeah, the first thing he ever did, though, he was still actually going to school when he was on Who's the Boss. He ended up playing Alyssa Milano's boyfriend on, on Who's the Boss. Gotcha. Which I think is kind of funny, too, because doesn't, doesn't Alyssa Milano show up at some point on Melrose Place? Maybe. I think she does, right? Yeah. Didn't she? Uh, she went right from that to Charmed for like nine years or something. Yeah. Charm was fun. I liked the show. Yeah, I did, yeah. too. Yeah. Charm, I wish we watched Charmed instead of it. <laughs> But you know, like I gotta say though, I I don't want to discount no, the stuff that the stuff that Richard Norton does in this because he he's not a great actor. It's like, and you know, if you close your eyes, it's you know what it is. The voice doesn't go with his face, so it's kind of disjointing and stuff when you're watching. If you close your eyes, it's fine. It, it's just weird because he's kind of the only one who I feel like. He's the only one who knows. I mean, he's the only guy who looks like he knows what he's doing when he is holding a gun, which right. isn't very often in this movie because he, he doesn't. But everybody else, they seem to be waving them about like <laughs> like kids playing cowboys and Indians or some bullshit. I mean, it is so weird, dude. Yeah. When Muldoon is pointing the gun and then what Rothrock, I mean, with the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it's just the whole like, I'm like, crazy yeah the way she holds the pistol in the beginning when she's doing her training exercise and she pretends she's dead and then she pokes the barrel into that guy's junk yeah and i'm like by the way you all know how i am about sound when she gets that guy to drop his uzi i mean they didn't even try to attempt to take out the fact that it was plastic when it hit the ground nope they certainly did not like, you, you, come on just at least just muted i don't want to hear it hit the ground if i can hear it's plastic yeah it's not like someone dropped a squirt gun on the concrete floor and it probably was when those motorized squirt gun. Yeah. But, you know, I got to say is, though, one of the things that we've struggled with with all these movies is the obvious attempts to to lengthen the movie. The other movies being 91 minutes, like, you know, this one actually isn't locked into that. 
I don't think it's 98 minutes like it says it is. I think it's more like 95. Yeah, something like that. But here's, you know what's 91? is 91 seconds into of this movie is the first 91 seconds of this wonderful slideshow we get at the beginning <laughs> of, right? of Jakarta and other parts of Indonesia. Yeah, that's your 91. But because those other movies feel like they're stretching things because it gets that time, the, the, the long edits where there should have been some trimming, and I'm not talking about frame fucking here. There were some trims that should have been made and because just because there's just this gap in reaction. Nobody has conversations like this where somebody says something and there's this reaction, this moment to process the thing that the other person just said. There's a lot of that in this. Like when Rothrock is having her CIA moment at the round table at the beginning after she does her training exercise, and the other guy that's sitting at the table doesn't say shit because he can't speak English. <laughs> right? I mean, like, we, we know that she's not she's not in Langley, man. No. No, we know that for sure. I don't want to call it the back lot of Jakarta either. It's like some warehouse they found. <laughs> but why do all the fights with her look like half-speed rehearsals that they just filmed? They do. And that's what I was saying. Oh, my God. There's something that happens at the beginning where Norton goes into Charlie's bar and, and kicks Thor and his, and his flunky's asses, like, right in the beginning. There's one or two white flash frames in it. And I didn't see it last night, but I saw it when I was showing Melody. I'm like, whoa. And I rewound to just make sure it wasn't just me, but it's right at the point of impact. So it tells me that you could tell by the shot, it was the only shot they had, and you could tell there was no contact. So they put the flash frame in there too, forces the audience to blink. It's a stupid editor's trick. It forces the audience to blink, and you think that, oh, wow, you really kicked the shit out of them when it was really just an effect. Right. But it's like it happened twice in the movie where they did this white flash frame. Now, back then in 93, Avid wasn't out there. So this is the like legit flatbed or, or you know, movieolas or your chem flatbed type film to film editing. This was not done digitally with an Avid or anything like that. So, which makes it all even odder. But the thing is, is that I think this movie would, would have been better with, an, with another performer side saddled with Norton. Totally. Because when they're fighting together, which isn't often, <laughs> because no. even when they're in quote-unquote sequences together, they're fighting their own fights. Like when they're at the end, when they're all fighting at the at the shipyard, I'm watching Rothrock fight down on land level, if you will, and Norton's fighting up top of on top Yeah, he's of fighting a, Muldoon up on the crane. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing he was missing when the end of this movie was him tossing Muldoon over and us watching a dummy float down to the ground. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked that they didn't just go for it. I wish they would have. I mean, I was kind of hoping. I was like, oh, is it going to happen? And then it didn't. And I was like, oh, of course it didn't. But the thing about this is... is you, can't, you, can't kill the only, you can't kill the only money actor in the movie like that. No. <laughs> I mean, you could, but they, they chose not to. Norton's Preston Michaels from the first movie. I'm guessing he's on the run from something that happened in the first movie because that's, that's why he's living where he's living. Right. Well, he's just uh, maybe he's just that guy who so you know he's kind of like Kane in Kung Fu. He just kind of walks, wanders the earth, and you know shows up every now and again somewhere. Then they make a comment about him being charged with something, then and that's why he ran. So like the fugitive, the one yeah. our man killed his wife. <laughs> one our man beat. Yeah, the one our man killed his wife, and only Cynthia Rothrock knows he's innocent. Now he's all playing it low key now. Yeah, just yeah, he's he's real hard to miss that guy. Yeah, wait, big Australian guy. Hardly ever wears a shirt. Wears a lot of tank tops. <laughs> the look of his face on the cover, no matter which cover you look at for Rage and Honor 2, it always looks like he's got this look on his face like, 
Like he's waiting for people to smell the fart he just cut. Yeah, totally, right? He's like, <laughs> listen up, man. You smell that? He looks like he's got the face of a comedian, like a stand-up comedian. I think that's the problem I have with him is like when I, my eyes are closed, I'm like, all right, well, it's acceptable. Because there's the thing. You can look at Paul Hogan and they think you're hearing Paul. Paul Hogan was a fucking badass. Yeah, dude, totally. He, I mean, he wasn't like some action star, but he was a badass. I mean, he... If you told me he was this guy in Raging Honor, I'd buy it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I hate to keep leaning on Rothrocks. Dude, Richard Norton, if this was just a movie, if Richard yes. Norton was, if it was just Richard Norton with yes. no sidekick, I would have yeah. been totally in, in, okay with it. He's not a bad screen presence. He obviously can fight. I mean, all that, buy all the action stuff from him. You know, he's got a kind of a low-key charm to him. Yeah. And you want to see him kick Ron Vreekin's ass the whole movie. Yep. I mean, dude, does Ron Vreekin look like Julian Sands on steroids or what? <laughs> I can't figure the guy out, but maybe, it's like. I mean, he obviously knows zero. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he, I'm probably wrong. But if he is a martial artist, he, he, not comfortable enough in front of the camera. So, I mean, they really, I mean, his, he seems to be moving in at like three, half speed, right? Yeah. When um what what was uh what was the guy that would played um Max Shrek's kid in Batman Returns? Oh where he has that great line he, he, I think he played, his name's Chip, right? He goes, he's the one that comes and goes, Come on, Dad, it's time for us to bring joy to the masses. <laughs> that guy. Right. I think he plays Kit Kat in uh in Hudson Hawk. I think it's the same guy. Ron apparently is a fitness instructor. <laughs> no shit. That's what it says. <laughs> he's a stunt player, he's a stunt man. But he's also, yeah, I just, it's weird. Because the, man, when I'm watching it, I just see Richard Norton kicking his ass. When he gets out of the car, though, when he flips his hair, I think that might be the, <laughs> might be my favorite part of the entire movie. Between that and the part where he's sitting on the door shooting over the car at Rothrock as the two old jalopies race <laughs> through the uh, parking structure, you know, um, on, on on one of the car's ways to blowing up while Tommy drives hysterically. <laughs> and he looks like he's shooting a starter's pistol at them. The thing I, I want to note, too, like Guy Norris, the director, and this was the first thing he directed, you know, and, no. it, and it's not bad, but he does lots of, like I said, he's, he does lots of second unit stuff and a, a lot of big productions. And he worked pretty extensively with... George Miller on almost everything. I mean, he was, I mean, I think both he and Norton have worked on with, with him since the, I don't know if it's been the first Mad Max, but at least from road warrior forward. I mean, that's 40 years of working together. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, the stunts and stuff are good. They're just, yeah. they just look crazy, dude. Like people got fucked up. Yeah. That's the thing about them. And, and I think that I think that's kind of a bummer about these movies, this movie and the last ones, they're all shot. We're all looking at these transfers that were four, three, Right. And I really think movies like these would benefit, even if they're just 185, yes. they would benefit so much better to what happens on the screen and what was actually happening from the camera. That's one of those bummers. Again, VHS transfers, because that's all they're coming from. They're coming from, from right. beta SP tape, where it was all 4.3, unfortunately. Well, I'm going to say that the thing about these movies that does lend to them is the unsophistication of them. It's what makes them kind of endearing and charming to watch. Yeah. The plots are not, I wouldn't say overly complicated. They're not even, they're not complicated at all. No. I mean, you know where you're going, you know what's going to happen. You know, you know, it's one fight scene to a dialogue scene and to two more action scenes. They don't spend a lot of time trying to explain things. They just kind of, it's more of the, they show you more than tell you, which I kind of do appreciate about them. Right. You know, you see, there's some funny shit along the way. 
<laughs> like, yeah. like the guy getting run over by the rear, run over by the car in reverse. It, it, dude, it, yes. If you tell me that that's a dummy, oh, I, I, I don't know, man. It's the world's only breathing dummy. <laughs> well, at least, at least for a little a, while. Automaton, <laughs> right? I mean, that is such a brutal like hit. Yeah. And like once the guy gets run over, I'm like going, oh well, they're gonna have to back up and hit him again. And I, I because of movies like this, I'm just half waiting, expecting to show. Some kind of half baked someone taking a melon and dressing it up like a head, a human head, and running it over. Right. But no, we're just going to hit somebody again. Good God. The fun stuff about this is, you know, I mean, what would have made, what would have helped this movie, which I'm going to say I watched most of the first Rage and Honor, which is definitely better than this. Uh, sort of. <laughs> it's not much better, but you do get some other faces you recognize, you know, from B movies and, Kind of the love boat casting mentality, right? Like All right. Catherine Catherine Bach shows up, and, <laughs> right? And uh, Brian Thompson, you know, people you're familiar with. What would have helped this movie, man, is if you know we would have gotten a few more like cameos, like you know, love boat style cameos, like yeah, you know, maybe Pat Morita as Buntow. <laughs> but I think that's our limitation here. Why we didn't get much yeah. more than that is because of where it was shot. You know, obviously yeah. you go shooting. Go film in Indonesia. You're you're going to be very limited in what you can do. I do appreciate the fact that like the cars, like I said, why they're jalopies. They are real cars. It's not like suddenly everyone you know they're, they're driving a supercharger. They're not driving a new Charger or right. whatever was the hot car at the time. They're they're driving cars that were 20 years old in 1992. Right. Which is what what you know. If you went to Indonesia now, you'd probably still see those two cars on the road. <laughs> right. The whole thing is the guy that we're talking about that gets hit by the car is is Cynthia Rothrock's contact in the CIA. It's already been planted at the, at the bank. And uh, this bank is run by Muldoon's dad. We, we find out really early on is dirty. I'm like, oh, so Muldoon's always like, oh, dad, you're dirty, you piece of shit. Which, of course, we're already like, it's their shitty way of trying to tell us that it's not him. Right. That, that Muldoon's not really the best. Like, oh, hey, don't don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> even though they basically show you that, like, in the first scene of the movie. Right, right. Next time you see Cynthia Rothrock, the first time you see her at the bank, she's just like going through a filing cabinet. I'm like, where the fuck is she? And then she says, Cookie Monster. <laughs> right? Because there's, there's no establishment of where the fuck she is. She right. just, and you're like, where are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Because the last time you see her, she's standing outside at Stevenson's room after beating the shit out of Thor's dudes. And uh, I'm, by the way, look, you're going from Los Angeles. Well, actually, take it back. She's going from Langley. I guess we're going to, they don't ever say that's where she no, is. No, we're just going to say it's Langley because that's where this, everyone knows that's where the CIA headquarters is. And that's another thing too. The whole slideshow at the beginning is all Jakarta. It's all Indonesia. So yep. that's the setup. So you're establishing something in the beginning and then you tell me that she's still in the United States. <laughs> Doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. No. So I don't care which way you went. I don't care if you went for, from Virginia to Indonesia or Los Angeles to Indonesia. You are not going to have any energy whatsoever after that flight to be dragging your ass into a into a, a building, much less fight people. So when we see her last, she's beating the shit out of these guys outside of Steven Stevenson's place. And next time we see her, where is she? She's going through a filing cabinet at the bank. I don't know where the fuck she is. No. How are we supposed to know where she's at? I mean, we know that she's supposed to be working in the bank because he said it something about it three minutes before that. But you don't. I don't know. There's like this. It's just all it is, like, just insert, just insert some stock footage. I mean, we know that it's there because maybe they used it all up in the last movie. I don't know. They didn't have any more left. My question is, does she know where she's at? No. 
you know, some of the things I think that are good about this movie are like um, the obvious red paint <laughs> replacing taking used instead of blood yes. instead of fake blood. Uh-huh. There's some great. There's some great. Look, it looks like somebody threw like Sherwin Williams uh, Red Riding Hood right on somebody's chest. Right. You know. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of fantastic. It, also, you know, what's weird is the first time you see Muldoon's dad, right? Tommy's dad. Right. For a moment, I was like, "Is that John Aston?" <laughs> so. They kind of got people who kind of look like B movie actors, but I guess there's this maybe they maybe that guy was just living in Indonesia. He was an expat, and they're like, "Hey, dude, you ever been in a movie?" Remember years ago, there on online there was a a list of fifty things we don't need to hear in movies anymore, and like lines that have been said so many times, like yeah, you just don't get it, or go go go, yeah, all fifty are using this movie. <laughs> Yeah, at least once. Oh my God. When she's like on the computer, just goes, gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) It's so stupid. Dude, I was waiting. I wanted her to say Cookie Monster. I kept thinking it the whole time. I was like, God, I wish she would just recycle that. And then I was like, oh, wait, this movie came before Martial Law? No, it's after. So, I mean, but dude, like her delivery of everything is just so weird like like she's never said it before like she's never spoken to anyone before you know she's got all the she's real ticky when she talks and real deliberate almost like she's reading off camera yeah they riff tracks by the way in my my searching they actually did rage and honor no way yeah and i was i've been trying to look for it. i thought they did the second one but i'm looking to see if they did and i'm not seeing it Oh, that one's Honor and Glory. That's a different movie. <laughs> Might be something. Another isn't another Rothrock. Well, you know what's weird about this movie that's different from all the rest we watched this month? No motorcycle gangs. Well, the vehicles that we're seeing were them and did what they had. But yeah, at least there's like you know, at least these are real cars, right? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Man, the, the recommendations I got after watching Rage and Honor two are fantastic. By oh, the way. here's the thing: I didn't wait for him. I just said, I, "Look, it doesn't matter." Because we're not going to watch it. Who knows? Because we're done. Uh, um, here's one thing that this month has definitely told me. We need to do this once a month. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. I'm glad we did this. I, it was such a, initially it was an idea. Like when we said, all right, well, like, well, here we are now. We said, we went from Eye of the Tiger to Rage and Honor 2. Yeah. Was it an obvious path? No, uh, kind of. A little bit. You can kind of see where how we went from one to the other. But the thing, if we didn't specifically say, let's pick something that doesn't say anything about biker gangs, we would have closed with a biker gang movie. Yeah, probably. And that was kind of like, not, we didn't want to do that because, I mean, there's we want to make it fun for you guys too. And if, is it fun if we're still covering motorcycle movies? I mean, what was fun about it was not knowing really what we're going to get until we were done watching it. I mean, right. we had kind of an idea, but we didn't know exactly what movie we were going to get until we got it. I have to say, there it's hard to top Sneak Eater 3. I mean, really is hard to top that because yeah, that is... Is the, that's the epitome of what we were wanting to see. We wanted to, see, I mean, actually, you know, it goes beyond what I anticipated us catching it at, at all this month. I might give Snake Hater three five out of five stars for for for. We need to title this something. I was and trying not, to come, and not even and not even what not even because of what type of movie it is. I would just give it five stars purely as fucking entertainment. Yeah, I noticed that exit exit wound. Hey, that movie I worked on is actually on Tubi right now. 
like so is uh, Romeo Must Die or is that it with uh, Jelly yeah. and same Elia. director yeah I mean there's a lot of fun stuff here I mean the Tubi thing was I kind of think it was awesome it was kind of brilliant I didn't think we we're gonna end up where we were at I'm glad we did it because I don't think I would I would have never gone out of my way and say I want to watch Snake Eater three <laughs> I want to watch I mean, look, okay, so here we are. We've watched all five movies, all right? Well, obviously, if you've been listening to the show at all, even if you just listen to this episode, you know that Snake Eater 3 was our favorite of the five that we did. By far. So how are we going to rank these? This is, okay, so what's number two? You you, you rank oh, number two for me? Yeah. Is uh, Mission of Justice. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. And then Eye of the Tiger? Yep. And then... This. Oh, man, it's hard. Then this, and then Martial Law too. Yeah. Because Martial Law 2, um, it's unfortunately, <laughs> it suffers from the discombobulation of like, it's like, it's not even a basic children's book. It doesn't even, there's no, there's the continuity's no, all fucked up. It's all jacked up. And like, I know that those kind of, can those things can lend itself to the enjoyment of these kind of movies. But not this time. But, but no, the other four movies at least have the consistency of being coherent for the most part. <laughs> I mean, for the most part. I mean, the, the, I mean this movie is because you know exactly where it's going. They don't try to trick you. They don't throw any, there's no curveballs coming no. at you. You know where this movie's going. You know right. who the bad guys are. You know, at some point, somebody's getting their ass kicked. <laughs> right. Hopefully thrown <laughs> off a crane. We should be so lucky, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. There is our March Madness for 2023. Closing it out with Rage of Honor 2. By the way, I'll say... Have you noticed that all these movies don't actually use a number two? They use Roman two? They did that yeah, with Martial Law 2 also. No, I know. Why is that? And doesn't Snake Eater 3 have uh, Roman numerals as well? It does. Oh. Maybe a Western num numeral 3 is different? I'm sure there's a psychology to it, right? Like when you see the Roman numerals, it it does something to your brain. Like, you know, you immediately think gladiators. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Gladiator <laughs> movies, Joey. <laughs> You and your dog scraps, come on over. Watch Blood Fist 8. V I I I. I always hated that, that part about the movie where Joey makes a look in his face like he like he <laughs> like he's in on the joke. And I'm like going, what do you you wouldn't care about that? Anyway. Yeah. Well, you know. Kids. What are you gonna do? Kids. There you go. So if you want to follow us on the socials, you can follow Karate Pod at Karate Pod on Twitter, Letterbox, and Insta. If you want to follow Corey on Insta, it's Culper97. On Letterbox is Corey underscore Culp. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or you can follow me at Tom Cody on Letterbox. That's Tom Cody. That Letterbox. <laughs>